Hello and welcome to the Daddy Saturday podcast where I'm your host, Justin Batts. I am also founder and chief dad officer of Daddy Saturday and the Daddy Saturday Foundation. We have the amazing privilege of recording today from the ATP Science sponsored Spartan World Media Fest. And I've had an amazing day with lots of great contributors, but this is what I'm really excited about. You know, when I look at the ability to impact fathers and help them be better dads, raise good kids and become great adults, um, there's a few people that come to mind that I've respected, that I've watched um, virtually and digitally. I would call him a digital mentor, if you will. And I've had the chance to now meet him personally, and I can just tell you his story is amazing. Anthony Trucks is who I have the pleasure of spending time with today, and you get to hear from and get this great content. Anthony is um, an amazing man, an amazing husband, and an amazing father. He comes from a background where he was raised in a foster home. He played football for the Oregon Ducks, then went on to the NFL for several years, married his high school sweetheart, divorced and remarried his high school sweetheart again, and has three amazing children, two boys and a girl, and is um, what I would now say one of the thought leaders in life coaching, business coaching, and helping people break through barriers and plateaus, including those of us dads that want to reach to the next level in life and in business. So without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome Anthony Trucks to the show. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I get that great intro again. We Just so you guys know, we recorded, and then life happens, and we're re-recording. And that was, that was better than the first. So that was actually worth it. There you go. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like uh, you said life happens. It's, it's what it's like sometimes with your kids, right? You have to start over at some point and <laughs> yeah. reboot. So yeah. we had the pleasure of doing that here a minute ago. So look, it's just more time we get to spend together and, and have a conversation. We'll look at it in the positive note. Well, Anthony, I think I started off the last conversation. I asked you about, um, you know, as a, as a leader, as a life coach, as a business coach, um, you come up, upon some individuals who are trying to inspire and better themselves in life. And I'm sure there are some themes that bubble up to the top, especially when it comes to parenting or fatherhood or being a better better dad or managing the attention we work in home. Maybe what are some of those areas or one area that you see that comes up a lot and, and is prevalent as you deal with your coaching clients? Yeah, man. Um, I think that the biggest thing is uh, is people don't exactly know who they are. And so what ends up happening is we, uh, we get to this point where we're trying to figure out who we are while teaching other people how to be who they are. <laughs> and, uh, and I look at it kind of like uh, programming a computer. You know, a lot of us were operating today's hardware with outdated software. So kind of like we have a, you know, a new computer, you're not going to have, you know, Windows 98 running on that thing. You need to have something that's a little, you know, better to, to operate with. And so what's even worse is that that inability to process, that's what we're passing on. And I think a lot of individuals, men and women, you know, um, obviously in my realm of what I know is men, I'm a man. And so I know that for us, a lot of the time it's the difficult, it's difficult for our ego to subside enough to say, I need some help and to actually update or upgrade that, that software, which is your identity, how you run. Cause it, it's who you are when you're not thinking about who you are. It's what your identity is. And so when we're not thinking about it, we act emotionally we do things, we don't do things, you know? And so uh, I think one of the things a lot of my clients have to work into is like realize like, Hey, there's, there's space to improve. Uh, not that there's something wrong with you, but there's space to grow. Like Harvey McKay has this great saving is the biggest room in the world's a room for improvement. I was like, man, I like that one. Right. And so like, for me, it's like, that's what I'm trying to work with people through is like, how do we update that software? Uh, which first, like, if you look at the little button, on your computer, like, Hey, check for updates, <laughs> you know, we got to check for updates. And then once we see one, you, you, you put it in. If not, eventually the computer just dies. Where it's like that spinning wheel of death and a lot of us get stuck. And I think a lot of people are in that spinning wheel of death for too many years of their life. Well, I think it's it's what you're saying is also really applicable to fatherhood. You mentioned the whole ego thing. I think that's a challenge for a lot of men. And it was a challenge for me, certainly, is like getting over myself and getting over my own ego and being willing to accept help or accept the ability to, to realize that other people knew things that I didn't know and I could improve upon. But the other part of that is, 
that when you think about um, as, a, as a father, as a parent, um, there's a really important piece to that, which is we so often try to do it alone. And as a dad, you know, we don't seek out that sense of community. And it's like a solo mission to try and be a dad. And it's part of the reason why I wrote Daddy Saturdays, because there really is no field manual for how do you help kids that are older than there's a manual for when your kid's born yeah. right but which there's not a lot for dad to do let's be honest in that phase right you take care of your wife at that point or the mother but you know when the kids get older how do you how do you grow and nurture good kids yeah. and so that's what i really want to talk about today is that phase of you know in the middle portion where the kids are at home and you get to be their dad how do you be the best possible dad that you can be and you know you've got some advice on that so anthony when i think about you know a lot of what you're mentioning we talked in the last conversation about resiliency and reconciliation and how important it is to, to be a model for reconciliation. We discussed the, the fact that um, there are circumstances where you're not perfect, I'm not perfect, and you have to go and admit you're wrong and admit that you're sorry. So what does that sound like in your family or how do you do that with your kids? Yeah, well, the biggest thing is I respect my children like I would any other adult. I think sometimes we think these little people are like our things to control. Whereas for me, it's like I, I want to uh, I want my kids to protect the relationship that we have, and they'll protect it if they help create it. But if you don't respect somebody, you're not going to work with them. It's like you know, you, it's hard to have teams gel if people don't respect each other. So the way that it shows up for me is like if I do something wrong, I apologize to my kids. I've apologized to my you know ten year olds many times. Like that's not perfect. I messed up. I blamed you. It wasn't your fault. That kind of thing. And so the first part is that, and then communication's big because what you feed into what you invest in you want to return even a little kid you know you want you want something from the return and so we have this thing in our house where every single meal is at a table and there's a thing we do called good day bad day what was a good part of your day what was a bad part of your day and uh, we have a conversation about everybody around the table so they're investing into that relationship and then it helps them create something and one big thing for me is like when they are all grown up and they're out of the house i want them to want to come home for the holidays that's really the, that's just a big thing for me because it's like it is a feeling that's there because they're logically not going to remember every conversation every time they got in trouble. It'll be good and bad ones, but overall, if the feeling is like, man, like I love I, my childhood felt good, they're going to want to come home to feel that because out in the world, the world's crazy, you know. But they kind of want them to want to come home and share and spend time and bring their spouses. Like, I want to be part of who we are as a unit because the family means that much to me, and and it all comes from what we choose to to do to ourselves because like i can't very well do anything i just told you if i didn't at some point in time upgrade my software so understanding how to be a vulnerable male how to talk but like and this is a, you know, i'm a former nfl linebacker right so like i'm not like a soft dude but i'm also not like making fun of soft dudes it's like there's a part of me that's like hey part of me is incredibly strong but part of me is strong because i'm aware of the weaknesses and i talk about them and so, like, I let my kids see into my heart, like, and I let them see who I am. But at the same time, like, I ain't no punk, man. Like, we, it's a balance there. And I think there's that, that sense of, like, calm power that I, I want my boys to have. Because you're saying, like, I'm here to raise, raise some kids. And it's true. But I had one of my um, great buddies who's a Christian man. Like, I think he's a pastor in some church um, every once in a while. But, like, he's at our church constantly. And he said this thing to me when I was in the middle of trying to teach my son something. And we both went to the church to pick my kids up from a, a Sunday school thing. And he says, um, what's going on? He could see there was something between us. And he's like, hey, dad's kind of, you know, raising you right now, huh? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, I realized years ago, you know, God blessed me with children so I could raise kids. Um, but he also blessed me with the realization that at a certain point I have to now raise a man or raise a woman. And so I'm raising kids, but at a certain point i got to raise a man to put you into the world. And so there's a switch that has to take place. But if I'm not an individual that has done that, like I can't gift what I haven't first had. So I had to go to a level because you can never push someone past something you know. 
so I have been pushing myself to be to be stronger, smarter, to grow more emotionally so I can take my boys to that level so that they don't have to wait until the years I got to this level to get this. If they can get it way earlier, it gives them that opportunity. And we all want that for our kids. Like you want your kids to have more opportunities. The opportunity doesn't line with money you give them or connections you give them. It, gives, it comes in the tool you give them or the identity you can help them build into to where they can just, success happens like second nature because they just have that in them. So Anthony, you bring up so many points that are, I think are just incredible. One of those is that, you know, there's a lot of dads out there that are listening to this. They probably look at it and say, you know, there's insecurity there. And they recognize the fact that maybe they didn't have something in their youth or they don't have something in their DNA or their makeup to their, to their thought part. They're telling themselves a story in their head really about what they, they can or can't give to their kids. And, you know, how do they move past that? How do they get beyond that? How do they upgrade themselves um, as you're talking about? Yeah, man, it's, uh, the ego, everyone's greatest obstacle, E-G-O. That's a, that's a fun one for a lot of guys because we're in a world where we have to have that persona, right? It's, it's men are always in competition um, in front of women and against other men. It's like a weird dynamic we have. And it's real. Whether you want to say it doesn't exist or not, it's real. Uh, and for me, the big thing is it's like stages I work people through. And the basic, simplest way is, is three steps, see, shift, and sustain it. And a lot of people are stuck at the, they're trying to shift, they're trying to move, but they don't realize why it's not working. We put effort in, we put time, we put money in, nothing's working. And the reason is you haven't really had a chance to see. And what I mean by see, it's like, there's a lot of pain in true sight. Like if if you really get a chance to see what the problem is you really need to work on, it's going to hurt. And if it hasn't hurt deeply, you haven't found the right thing. And so for me, like I was in a relationship, uh, high school sweetheart, three kids, all was well and it fell apart. Wife had an affair, and there's a lot that goes into that, and like, broke me, man. And it took me years to realize, at the end of the day, that that like I, I couldn't, I wanted to shift my life, but I couldn't see what the root was. So I kept having the same cycle pop up of like feeling like I had no control in a relationship, I couldn't do well in it, it just was off. And then like I finally got some sight, and I was like, man, you know what? At the end of the day, uh, although she made a crappy decision, she didn't get to a point of having to feel like she needed to make a decision by herself. So like there was a space I had to see, like, dang, Anthony, like you caused the directional push to her feeling like she needed to make a choice for her needs. And so that was a tough thing for me to see. There a lot of pain came with that. Like, like having realized like you're at fault for certain aspects. Right. But that's what the first thing I needed to do was. Cause then now I knew what to work on to shift and the shifts, the work that we do. It's, it, I don't like to call it change cause change feels heavy, but shift is like, let me just keep being this guy, but let me shift the trajectory a little bit, one or two degrees. Right. And so on top of that, like I also realized, I had to see her for sure. He, who she was. Like I, we've since three years apart. Custody battles, weird, crazy arguments. I lived with I had a girlfriend of my house lived with me, and she lived with her boyfriend. Like we were completely apart, and and fixed it. Like we rekindled it. A weird story, but the root of it was forgiveness. And a lot of people ask, like, how do you forgive somebody for doing that? Like, one, we were sixteen, and and we were, you know, it happened like ten years later. Like it's tough to grow up sixteen straight through. I'm not gonna lie. Like it's really difficult because uh, you don't know who you are without that person. But then on the flip side, a lot of us. We have things go on and we think it's maliciously done to us. Like I was put in foster care and I hated my mom for a while. I hated social workers. I was beaten by some of these people in houses and starved. I hated them all. Um, I had these people that were in my life that I really had disdain and anger for. Like how could you do that? And even my real dad, when I finally found him at 21, uh, he told me I had no idea existed. And then nine years later before he passed away, it was like, hey, I did know the whole time. So a lot of of individuals where I could be like really angry. And what I realized was as human beings, one – Unfortunately, a lot of us, uh, we're not doing things maliciously when there's pain being caused. What happens is I am seeking something for myself. I'm, in fact, not even thinking about you. 
like my wife wasn't thinking about me. She was like, what do I want? What do I need? My, I had come back to the NFL. I'd lost my career. I was having this identity crisis. I'm pouring everything into a gym, neglecting her, neglecting the kids, gone from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Like, what do you expect, aunt? You know, so this neglect created this bubble. And, and so she had to make a choice, and she was making it for her, not against me. That realization was like, dang, like even my real mom, she didn't know what to do. And people genuinely, as much as we don't want to think about it, like they're trying their hardest. Most people are trying the best they can. They just don't have the tools. Like my mom didn't have the tools. Like someone had a falter for not having them. Like wh- where's the fault lie? Her mom, their mom. Like, and on top of that's like, okay, this happened. It was you know pushed to me. Now that this took place, the biggest thing is because I was giving blame. I didn't take ownership. I don't take ownership. I won't do work. And so when I got to that point of taking the painful ownership, I could do work, and now I could change the entire story. Now I can do the real work that's necessary for me to actually change my life, my family, generations of you know, being poor or having you know, kids in the house. Like It's a generational thing I'm breaking with my, my family. And a lot of it comes from what I re- big circle back. It's like what I can now do because I updated my identity, updated my software. I can pass that on. If I don't, what we see in America is we're passing the same outdated software on to more and more people. That's so good. There's so much we can unpack there. I think one thing that came out right at the end that I want to zero in on is if we look at this generation, this society, there's a society of entitlement. And a big part of that entitlement comes from the fact that there's a lack of personal accountability, personal responsibility, and victim mentality, frankly. And, you know, you in telling your story, I mean, I I just got to commend you. I think that your story is incredible. And I'm sure at points along the way, you wanted to point the finger at other people, but, and you did, but at the end of the day, you came and you pointed it back at yourself. And that's how you made that shift, as you call it, was the moment you turned the finger back around at you, it allowed you to free all those other people from responsibility and said, you know what, what did I have to do with this and how can I move forward? And I think that's a really important lesson for our kids to learn because the, and I tell my kids all the time that they'll, they, kids are kids. They're so quick to blame everybody else. Right. And I got four kids. So it's like, especially my boys, it's like, Hey, who threw the baseball through the window? And it's like, he did, he did, he did. And the dog did. Right. And it's like, no one's ever willing to just step up and take responsibility. But we talk about take the finger, point it back at yourself. Right. Yeah. I heard recently, um, action ends suffering. I was like, man, it has a lot of weight because it's not it's not saying that it's like, you know, action that was done or fought by you. It's just like that action just clear and day. It's what it does. And and to complain means to remain. And so I was like, man, that's some powerful stuff, because whether or not it was your fault, it's your responsibility. Right. And so if you want to, it's like now that you know this exists, if it continues to keep happening, well, now it's your fault. Like now you knew it was there. It's going to be big work, hard work, easy work. Doesn't matter. There's the work to be done. You can complain about the work or go to the work. So let's talk about that for a minute, because I think that's the key where there's responsibility. As we look at as fathers, we have a responsibility to be the best dad that we can be to raise good kids that become great adults. That's how we're going to change the next generation is making that shift. Um, and there's, this was big for me. So I viewed my kids for a long time as they're a blessing, right? And, and I view that always. But there were certainly times where I'm like, my kids are a burden right now, yeah. right? Love them, but don't like them. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. And and then there was this, um, I heard a pastor say this, and he was talking about, um, it was, wasn't relating to parenting necessarily, but I think it applies. He was saying that when oftentimes when we view things as inconveniences, we need to flip that and view it as our assignment. And I was like, that's it. Because there are many times where I view my kids as an inconvenience, right? Like I've got work to do, or I, I need to do this or need to do that. And then it was, no, I have an assignment. God's given me an assignment to raise these four kids in my case, three kids in your case. So what would you say to fathers listening in terms of 
you know, you and I have both been there. We've both been that busy, over, overwhelmed, stressed out dad trying to make it happen in the career world. Um, but how do you, how do you make that shift to help your family be your assignment and fulfill that assignment to your best ability? You, uh, you got to vote with your time, man. I think it's the biggest thing is we, we already have that. Like we already know that if somebody says, what do you do it for your family? But then if they were to sit back and watch how you vote with your time, like that, that candidate's not winning, you know? And so what I've found is for the emotional male, you have to, there's logic behind most men, but there are the emotional guys, right? The emotional guys who they just don't feel like doing that right now. Um, my feedback would be the emotion's not going to come until the action comes, right? So if you want to have that thing of I love being around my family, you got to put the action. You love your work because you get to pour into your work. And again, the investment bias, I want a return. The return is I get something greater. I feel good and proud because I accomplished this thing. Well, the same amount of effort you give, just like a college coach used to say, be where you are, when you are. And so when I was with my kids still at work, you know, in my head, I didn't, I didn't develop that. But like I love the Daddy Saturday concept. It's like, I'm here with you. I'm present. I'm focused. And guess what the turn you get is? You get the feeling you were looking for before you started. And it has to come that way. It's the emotional perspective, the logical perspective. Those that are like, yeah, but I'm too busy. And they're all in their head. You need to find ways to, uh, my, one guy, buddy told me this one time, he says, look, if I was to lock you in a room for 30 days, you didn't even need sleep, you'd come out of that room with not even half the stuff done. There's just too much to do. So you got to realize, like, you're not going to die if you don't get that done right now. It's just in your head. So, like, that was one part of it. He said, also, you got to realize that all the things you're doing it for, if you neglect them, like, I experienced this, you're not going to have anything to do it for. And so that was one big piece, and I figured out how to schedule. Like, I'm not going to go into a whole scheduling logic, but I deconstruct my projects down to the, like, the most minute step of it. I put a, a time allocation towards it. I go to my schedule. I put my life in, and then I infuse those things in, and I block it out. It could be five, six weeks sometimes, but it's all spread out. I got it right here in my bag, to be honest. Like, it's a whole structure I use. But what it allows me to do is now I know when something's going to get done in the future. Something new comes in, I can say no to it if it doesn't fit or squeeze it in somewhere, but... When I'm working on project A now, I'm not thinking about B, C, or D. I'm just on A, and A gets done faster than I ever thought it would. And then what's even more beautiful is when it's family time, because I put it in there, I'm not worried about A, B, C, or D, or F, whatever. I'm just just with family, and I have an alleviation in my head. So if you're a logic person, separate the things, infuse them in, and just live your life. But you got to stay regiment to your schedule. you got to be ruthless with your time. I think that's spot on. We talk a lot about the concept of um, infusing your business in your work calendar into one calendar. Like, why do you have separate calendars, right? And so often you see that, right? And you got people use Outlook for work and they use iCal or something else for their personal life, you know? So it's like you blend them all together. And to your point, that's where if you've got a 430 ball game, you got to get to, well, now you know you got to get your work and your meetings done to be at the ball field on time and you've left work at work and now you're there present engaged your phone is down and you're there for the ball game right and that is so key to to parenting um so anthony you know you deal a lot with um on that subject entrepreneurs and folks trying to build their businesses and you know that's one of the challenges that that i think i see and it just is so irrational to me but there's so many business principles that apply to family life or parenting Right? We set mission statements, we have vision, we have values, we set goals, calendaring, um, str strategic thinking, all of those kinds of things we do in business, but very, very rarely does it ever translate into the home. Why do you think that is, and, and maybe where, what are some of the practical applications that you've seen for how to do that? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're seeking the same uh, sense of ego, like, I want to matter. And the thing is, we already matter at home. So I think what happens is we don't 
put the same kind of work in. That's why relationships fall apart. Like I'm here for a while, so I don't put the same kind of effort and work in. But what's crazy is like there's so many. It's like it's so prevalent. You see so many people say, "Don't do this." Yet we st- we got to learn it ourselves. Like it doesn't make a logical sense. Like that guy who's 50s, 60s did that. He's telling you don't do it, but you're running the same route. And so for me, what I choose to do is like if you think about the skill set that you have from running your business is you do that. You organize, you operate like it's already there. Just apply it to the other side. And what I found is whenever I'm able to uh, to work without the stress of my wife wondering when I'm going to be done or my kids want to play. Like because what happens is we can sit here and work, but projects talk about A, B, C and D. When you're working on anything at work, if family's not there, it's in your head. You're not even doing focus work. You're wondering, like, can I get another hour with my wife not being mad? You know what I mean? But, like, I spend a ton of time with the family, focus with the family. We have dad days where I just go out uh, one hour uh, a day with each kid, just on whatever day of the week it is, and it's, like, time with them. My wife and I have date day that sits there. We have every night's family time. So these things are in place, and I, I, I pour into my family so that when I'm working, I know they're not worried about me. I know I'm not having to wait. Like, I told my wife I'm be done at 5. Like, if I go 5.30, she's not going to go crazy right now. Because I was there last night. But if I wasn't there date day, I didn't do dad days, yeah, she's going to be bothered. It's good. And it operates. And so both sides are in flow. And people will call it balance. But I don't think balance exists. I personally think you, you do what you do at a certain speed. And anything that comes on that bogs you down is just not meant for your speed right now. And so like this whole like concept of balance, I've always thought like if I can't do it the speed that I'm good at doing it at, it doesn't belong on my plate right now. So I take things off. And it's okay. Like a lot of us uh, as individuals who are professionals, all these ideas and, and I, you know, things we want to get done and passions. Uh, I have this weird metaphor like uh, imagine you have a pen with sleeping dogs. When dogs are asleep, they can all fit in there. Nothing's being done. But if one or two dogs wakes up, it starts causing a ruckus, right? And if they all woke up, they couldn't even fit in there. It'd be just, they're all awake moving. And, but you're your dogs. You love your dogs. And so what I realized is like, man, some ideas are like these dogs in this pen, which is your brain. Some dogs, unfortunately, got to be put to sleep. They can't float outside the pen. You can't let them run free. Like you gotta, you gotta kill them. Sucks. But this is that's how it feels when you lose an idea. Like this thing goes down. Uh, and then some dogs need to be put to sleep. Like just like lay down, sleep. Not put to sleep, but lay down, go to sleep. You stay here while some run around and play. And and that's kind of how I like my business. One of my dogs playing. Um, there's other ideas I have that that like they'd be cool, but never gonna happen. It needs to, it needs to be taken out of my brain and, and like kill that idea. It doesn't belong. Or give it to somebody else. Like hey, borrow my dog for a while. Or you run with it, right? So like, but that allows me to have more space, and, and part of that is also my family. That's so good. I didn't think we'd get to Baja Men, who let the dogs out in our conversation today, but we did. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Well, Anthony, this has been a fabulous conversation. You provided so much insight. I got two final questions for you as we wrap up here. So one's a question I asked all my guests, and it's if Anthony had a boat big enough to put your a name on the back of, you got to name your boat. What would you name your boat? Um, I would name my boat. Uh truck stop truck stop my last name's trucks football was the the truck stop and all the trucks can go in the truck stop because this truck this truck don't stop i love it and then uh final question is um is there anything that we didn't get to today that you just love to leave our listeners with um yeah it's always this message i have it's actually my my intent bracelet says own your shift uh and the the thought behind this is there's three there's three words but each word has its own space in the same sentence said three different ways first one is own your shift which is like i gotta do something own it right it sucks but owning things like it's difficult you own a house it's it's a lot of work and money right but you gotta own it it's worth it at the end your means you gotta do the work like own that it's your thing to take care of like this is i'm owning this situation i gotta have you know your this is my work to be done like we talked about i had to do that work 
And then the actual portion is a lot of people know what they should do, and they know it's their fault, but they just keep drinking it away. Other part is the shift. It's the actual verb. You got to do the work. And so for me, it's like own your shift is all about owning it, knowing it's my work and actually making effort to change this. And I mean full effort, not like half effort, like pour into it as if it's going to be the greatest return ever. Because like a crazy investment, at the end of the day, you can put money in, but you're only going to get out what you put in. So you want a better, you know, better return, but a bigger investment. So good. That's exactly what we're going to title this podcast, Own Your Shift. Such a pleasure meeting you, having you on the show. Really appreciate it. Love to have you back again in the future. Big supporter for what you do. How can folks find out more about you? Uh, go to anthonytrucks.com if you want to find my stuff about at Anthony Trucks, my Instagram. And if they want to figure out whether they're a slow or a go identity, which actually is part of your program, go to sloworgo.co. Love it. Thank you, sir. Well, as always, um, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And thank you to all you listening. The Daddy Saturday podcast, all about raising good kids to become great adults. Be more intentional, be more engaged, and make it a great Daddy Saturday. Until next time.